Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. I'm going to go ahead and read our portion of the Word of God before we start. Would you guys stand to your feet with me as just a posture of engaging with God's Word? I know we can listen to it, and sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. But as I read this portion of Scripture, I just want you to, whether you need to close your eyes to do it or maybe look off, but just in your minds, I think about what it must have been like to be in this place and in this time. Um, uh, it'll, put, it'll just kind of prepare you for what Ryan's about to speak on. But we're going to be in John chapter 20, verse 19 says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Well, what a passage, huh? What a moment with Jesus and his little crew. Uh, This moment that we're reading is the first time that all the disciples are together when they see Jesus, okay? So prior to this encounter with Jesus that the disciples have, rumors have been circulating among the disciples of Jesus's resurrection, rumors. So the women, Mary Magdalene and other women had seen Jesus, but the disciples didn't believe that. And then do you remember the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? They had come back to the disciples and were telling them, we saw Jesus. And then Peter had seen Jesus. Uh, still, they weren't sure. And there's this, they're in this atmosphere charged with fear and doubt and confusion about what is happening. Because let's, let's be certain about this. Jesus did not do what they expected him to do. We got that, right? We're clear about that. He did not show up, throw out the Romans, blow their minds with some Roman, you know, you know, uh, you know. Some, kicking some tail. He wasn't doing that. And so he really disappointed them and, and it was confusing for them. And so they're in this emotionally charged atmosphere of fear, fear about what is happening in the world around them, Uh, confusion about what they should do about it, and thirdly, doubt about what Jesus said, that Jesus said he would rise from the dead, and 
They heard it, but they're just not believing it. They want to, but they just can't get there. I don't know, can you relate to any of that right now in your life? I think for a lot of us, we look around at what's going on for the church in the world. We look around what's going on in our lives, and there are places of fear and confusion and doubt for every one of us. And it's into this atmosphere that Jesus speaks. And when he speaks, he speaks three times saying, peace be with you. And then he says it again. He just grabs him by the shoulder. and He's like, peace be with you. And then a third time. Now that's going to, he says that in verse 19. If you look at the scripture in verse 21, and then a third time in verse 26. Now that's going to frame for us the message and how we structure it as we study it. But it also shows us that when Jesus speaks, it is always more than just words. When Jesus speaks, it's more than words. Listen to this. Jesus once said in John 6, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. And so when Jesus speaks, he breathes. He breathes into our life. And when he breathes, listen to this, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Right now, right here, right now, Jesus wants to breathe into your life, into those places where you have fear, confusion, or doubt. He wants to breathe his spirit into that place in your life right now. That's why I read that story about that college student. I don't know if you missed it at the very beginning of the service. What he is doing here with these disciples, he wants to come into the locked room of your heart where you've hidden away some of your deep fears or doubts, and he wants to breathe his peace into you and into us as his people. Are you, do you want to receive that? Are you ready to receive that? Well, let's start with this idea that when we encounter Jesus, he breathes his spirit of peace into our lives, our fear, our confusion, and our doubts, and we're going to start with fear. All right? Let's start with fear. Go back to verse 19 in the passage On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, here's your first one, peace be with you. Okay, in this moment, when Jesus speaks in this moment to them, this peace be with you, it speaks to our fear of what is happening in the world. In this moment, it represents how Jesus comes into our life, and through the Holy Spirit, brings his peace where we are afraid and our perspective is focused on what is happening in the world around us where we feel out of control. Now, the Bible's word for this kind of fear, this preoccupation, is called the fear of man. Have you heard of that? The fear of man. Let's unpack this idea for a minute, okay? Because in Proverbs 29, 25, it says this, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Okay? Now listen to this way that Eugene Peterson translates this idea of fear of man in the message. He says, the fear of human opinion. Come on now. Anyone got some of that? I think the minute you hit junior high, you can relate to that. 
<laughs> I mean, that's when it starts, right? You hit junior high and all of a sudden, it's like you're awakened. You've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you're aware that people talk about you when you're not around. And this fear of what people are saying or doing or thinking about us begins to take a hold of our life. The fear of human opinion, he says, disables us. Trusting in God protects you from that. Who couldn't use some of that? Now, the fear of man, what's, what's that mean? So the fear of man, it represents any way in which we are living in reaction to what other people are saying or doing toward us. Any way in which we live in reaction to other people. Now, I want to just really bring this to a practical application for us because we can't all relate to being huddled up, afraid that people are going to kill us. That's, other Christians live in this world right now with that fear. We don't. Thank God. But just as powerful to overcome our life is the fear of other people's opinion of us, the fear of man. We all can relate to. We can all relate to the ways in which the fear of what other people think or are saying about us can disable us from living out of our true self. Where we get caught living our lives in a, in a reaction that wants to prove ourselves to other people because we're afraid we don't measure up to their expectations. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? Have you ever had a moment where someone else's opinion of you takes a hold of you like a vice and you're laying in bed at night and you just can't get it out of your mind? What this person said about you, what they implied about you, what they did to you. The fear of man. The fear of man is a snare and disables us because fear, the fear of other people, clouds and confuses us about our identity, who we really are, and our purpose. We get stuck trying to do things with our life to show the world we really are someone important. We get stuck acting in a way. I'll give you an example. When I was in junior high, this kid walked into the locker room. I was changing, and he just pushed me and said, let's go right now. And he wanted to fight right there. I didn't even know this guy. I, I promise you, I did nothing to this guy. <laughs> I didn't even know him. I, I look at him, and I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. Why would you? And I just got so mad. I was like, I don't even know you, and you want to fight with me right now? And he was kind of like, well, that's, it is, that is kind of weird. You're right. He, he could tell he was thinking about it. I'm like, that's ridiculous. And I just started cussing. Like F and this and F and that. I was just cussing like crazy. And from that moment on, I started cussing like crazy. I cussed so much that in high school, on the soccer field, the school pothead said, hey, bro, could you turn it down a little bit? My mom is in the, I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. He's like, dude, my mom's here, bro. <laughs> this guy, George Larson, I remember the guy, man. He's just like, that is, I started acting in a way out of my fear of man. Can you see, you see what I mean? Now we do that though. We do do that. And it affects the way we take on our careers, the way we run our households, the way we dress, the way we carry ourselves on social media. And it is a snare and it disables us from living from our true self. 
It can silence us from being true and honest about who we are as children of God. We can become afraid of being honest with others that we are followers of Jesus. Listen to this. In Acts 4.29, the disciples had been threatened to be killed the same way they had killed Jesus. What did they do? They went back to their people and they said, and now, Lord, show us a safe way to escape from Jerusalem. No, they did not. They did not go back to their crew and rally up all the swords that they had on them and get ready for a revolt. They didn't do that either. Listen to this. And now, Lord, they prayed, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. To speak your word with all boldness. That's not like hitting people over the head with the Bible. That is just being honest about our love and faith in Jesus with others who don't know him. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They went from being shaken by the fear of man to being shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Come on now. Could you use some of that? Could you use a little bit of that kind of boldness? Come on, Tom. I see you, bro. Let's just pay attention to this moment here. These guys, these men and women, had no political resource to influence their government. So when the Roman regime decided to drag you into the Colosseum and feed you the lions, you could not file a petition or protest that. It was just like, you're done. You're, you're just dead. Your representation was to show up and get eaten by a lion. That was it. And yet, with no ability to secure authority or power, politically, they could only depend on the Holy Spirit. And that kind of dependence allowed them to operate out of a spiritual authority that no other source of power or authority can substitute for. Now, don't get me wrong. God gives us gifts Gifts of personality, gifts of mind, gifts in our body, gifts of, that give us channels of influence. And we, sh- we should use those. The problem is, is when we put our trust in those places in our, out of fear, we rely on them. And we lose sight of what the Holy Spirit will give us if we lean on the Spirit of God and admit our fear and allow him to empower us with boldness. Spirit-powered boldness is humble, gentle, and meek. But it is powerful. Do you see that here? It is so powerful. It turned upside down the Roman Empire. Human-powered boldness. It is concerned with being right. It is brash, focused on winning, and consumed with self-protection. The disciples are huddled in that room with the door locked. When Christians get focused on, we've got to protect ourselves in any way like that, and that becomes the focus. I'm not saying go throw your, you know, walk across a freeway without paying attention to traffic. Don't be a fool. But when we get consumed with that mindset, and Jesus is sending them out with a boldness that is so gentle and humble, but it's so authoritative because it's not depending on their resources, but on the Spirit of God.
And it's, it's powerful. And this is how God moves in our lives. It, it, he, he does this not just in the world, but in our marriages, in our relationships, right? That boldness that is always that human power boldness. It's always trying to convince the other person they're wrong. And that whole, power, that whole boldness that just thinks, if I just get louder, I'll bring peace to my marriage. If I can just prove that person's wrong, then, you know, peace will come. That's just not true. It's not true. There is a power in the spirit to move in our marriage that your persuasive words aren't strong enough to do. So we pray for each other. One time I prayed. My wife and I got in a nasty fight, big fight. We were all just all up, you know, just all puffed up, man. We were so mad. And I went in my office and said, Lord, God, I pray you'd fix this fight and bring peace. And if I'm wrong, yeah, whatever. You can show me. Literally, I prayed this prayer. If I'm wrong, you can show me. And literally, I get a text. Ryan is literally sucking the joy out of me right now. Because she was trying to put on a birthday party for my kids. And I just saw that and I go, oh, she sent it to me by accident. She meant it to go to her sister. Uh, <laughs> and I was first was like, oh, this is what she's saying about me. And then the, the spirit just like, do you want to suck the joy out of her? And I just got on my knees. I, I'm not, this is serious. I got on my knees and just started repenting. I am so sorry, Lord. And I went to her and I told her what happened. She got all embarrassed, but I just said, I repent. I, I just was making it harder for you to throw this party for our daughter. And I'm sorry. Now that's a different kind of boldness. <laughs> all right. Confusion. The spirit breathes the peace of Christ into our confusion. Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I just love that, right? Peace be with you. Can you imagine right now if I said, okay, everybody here that's struggling with anxiety, anyone who's got any anxiety at all, I just want you to raise your hand. A bunch of you guys raise your hands. And I say, okay, I got a bus outside. We're going to get in that bus. We'll be back before the end of service. And we're going to go down and we're going to share the gospel with some people down in Encinitas. That would not feel like the antidote to anxiety. <laughs> to your worries. But listen to this. It's like, peace be with you. I'm sending you out to be among the very people that killed me because there is where you're going to find your peace in me. Now, let's, let's learn this lesson because this is profound. This moment, it speaks to the clarity that the Spirit brings when our, we are living out of our true purpose. The clarity the Spirit brings to our purpose because why? Fear and doubt cloud our clarity about our identity and our purpose. When we or in an environment that is charged with confusion and fear, we lose sight of what our true purpose is, and we get attached to lesser purposes. Now, I've been beating this drum for the last seven months. I know that. If you're thinking that, I got you. You're right. But we've been in an emotional atmosphere in this country and in this church where there's a lot of confusion. Am I right? There's a lot of confusion. What a lot of fear. And that introduces an environment that makes it easy for us to get off mission and lose sight of what our true purpose is and to get attached to little purposes that make us feel more secure, but they're not why we're here and not why God has us here. Come on now. Ooh. 
God's calling you right now. God is, whose phone was that? God is calling you. <laughs> that was right on cue. That was so cool. The peace of the Holy Spirit frees us to share Jesus with others, to be very simple about it. Let me be very simple about this. Look at me right here. Look, just look at me. I want to be very simple. The Holy Spirit frees us to be clear that we are here to share Jesus with other people. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 10, if you're 17, or if you're 67, that is your purpose. In your workplace, on your lacrosse team, in your classroom, I've been saying this, and we've got to get back to that purpose because when you do, you are, when you are anchored in living out of the purpose of God, it, it bring, you're living out of who you really are. Let me, let me, let me explain this. You are a follower of Jesus. You are sent by God to this world. Verse 23. Look at verse 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. Isn't this radical? Okay, this is for you today when you leave here. Listen to this. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What is Jesus saying with this? Is he saying that in yourself you have the power to forgive people? What is he saying here? Think about it. This is radical what Jesus is trying to say to us. And I want you to really stop and catch what he's saying. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. Is that not powerful? This is radical. You are sent to carry God's forgiveness to the world. Not because you carry it in above yourself, but because Jesus died on the cross and he sent his Holy Spirit into your life to carry that forgiveness into the lives of the people that he has put around you. And that's why they're around you. You've been given the power, get this, to bring people into eternal life. Isn't that exciting? This is your life purpose. Your life purpose is to bring people into eternal life. Can you think of anything you could do with your life more powerful than that? Oh yeah, I could become the greatest athlete baseball player in the world, hit more home runs and go in the Hall of Fame. Can that compare to bringing one person into eternal life? It cannot. When our life is centered around this purpose, we are living out of our true self. See, listen, fear and focusing on what other people think of us gets us off living out of our true self. We start living to impress and get other people to want to like us, right? But when you're focused on God and you're filled with his spirit and you're free from that fear, you're able to get back to your purpose and live out of your true self. Because who are you? Your true self is you are God's son and daughter sent with his authority into this world. I want to dare you right now to imagine anything more significant for your life than that. Can all the money in the world that you have saved save one person from their sin. It cannot. Isn't that amazing? It is so powerful. What an awesome privilege we're invited into. All right, so I want you just to think for a minute, who is someone in your life 
that God wants to bring to mind. Don't carry this as a burden. Look at this as an amazing privilege that as you live into it, it's going to align your life with why you're here. And it's going to allow you to live out of your true identity. A son of God, a daughter of the king. You want that? Come on. This is what the Spirit of God does. And lastly, doubt. Verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. So it's a week after this moment, all right? <laughs> this is my favorite part. And Thomas was with them. So he wasn't there before, right? So he missed out. Can you talk about FOMO? <laughs> I mean, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now watch this right here. Then he said, where's Thomas? Can you imagine Thomas in this moment? Like Thomas is there, right? He didn't believe what his friends had told him, right? And Jesus shows up and he's like, oh shoot, I was wrong. Can you imagine like Thomas kind of hiding back there? And like, he's like, where's Thomas? Where's Thomas? And maybe you could imagine a scenario where Jesus is like, where's Thomas? You lame, stupid disciple. I told you I was going to rise, you know? He's just like, where's Thomas? You know, looking for him. I could just imagine Thomas, like at UCSD, when we would show up late to class, the professor, no joke, this is a lecture hall, 350 students, and my cell bio professor stopped the class and said, well, let's all, well, let's all just thank this young man for honoring us with his presence. And the whole class would turn and look at me. Yeah, this is real... Real morale boost. Look <laughs> at what Jesus says. He's like, Thomas, put your finger here. Can you imagine Thomas? Him? She's like, no, I'm serious. And he's like, in the wound. And then he says, reach out your hand and put it into my side. And then he says, stop doubting and believe. Now, first, I want you to notice just how gentle Jesus is with Thomas. Right? He's not like, you're an idiot. He's not like that. And I love this moment because there's a Thomas in all of us. Can you relate to Thomas? How many people here have a place of doubt in their life? How many people here have ever doubted something about God in their life? Okay, how many people here have had doubts about the word of God, the Bible, about its reliability, its inerrancy, its truth? Come on, a bunch of liars in this room. No one's raising their hands. Maybe me. Come on, really? I'm serious. Really, you've never had any doubts. Oh, hmm. Come on. You might change your tune after what I say here. Listen. I love this moment because Jesus just honors the place of doubt in our spiritual maturity. He doesn't shame Thomas about his doubt. He's like, bring your doubt up here, Thomas, because where your doubt is, is where a new level of faith is trying to break through in your life. Jesus meets us in the place of our doubt, but he doesn't condemn us, humiliate us. Instead, he leads us into a breakthrough of new faith. Because the disciples had a faith in Jesus when he was alive, before his death. When Jesus died, that faith went with them, right? They didn't have much faith that he was also the resurrected Jesus. 
This place of doubt was a place of faith that they needed to outgrow. Where your doubt is, is where your faith is time. It's time to outgrow your faith and it needs to mature and go to a new level. It's where it's kind of like if you were trying to wear, if you're like, you know, my age 47 and you're trying to wear your 13 year old t-shirt. You know what I mean? Ever try to put on an old shirt and you're like, well, I don't fit in that anymore. We are growing. And the place of your doubt is where you're, it's time for your faith to go to the next level. And right here, Jesus is helping Thomas have this breakthrough of faith. And him is the resurrected Jesus. The place of your doubt is where a new level of faith is trying to break through. I think for some of us, we hide those doubts because we are afraid that your place of doubt is where your faith is about to careen off a cliff and into total unbelief and to walk away from God. But when you allow God to bring your faith out into the open and allow his spirit to bring his peace into that place, to be honest about your doubt, Thomas comes and is among his fellow brothers and sisters. He brings his doubt out into the open. It allows Jesus to meet us in our place of doubt, but to take us to a new place of faith. Can you relate to that? This doubt is an essential part of God maturing our faith. But doubt is a little bit like a warm bed on an early morning. You know what I mean? The alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and it's so hard to get out of bed. You know, you're like, oh, I don't want to do it. Doubt is comfortable and it's safe for us. It's familiar. It's, it's a faith that we've had, but it's time to go to the next level and we want to cling to it. And it's hard to let go and get up. It's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to grow into a new level of faith. And that is where Jesus wants to take you with his spirit today. But when you're willing to go there, It's Thomas who's the first disciple to ever declare that Jesus was God. Right there. And so his place of doubt became the place of unbelievable faith. He didn't just say, you're resurrected. He was able to say, you're God. And behind your doubt is a faith that the Spirit wants to bring forth. But you've got to be honest about it. Moms, dads, you've got to be a safe place for those doubts to come out in the open. But don't let yourself stay with the doubt. Let the Spirit of God move you on by being honest about it, inviting the Spirit to bring you insight and perspective and asking God to give you fresh revelation of who Jesus is and his word. When we have doubts about the word of God, come on, don't we have doubts? We have doubts about what the Bible says about sexuality, don't we? Yes, we do. I know. I'm looking at you. I know some of you. I know we do. We have doubts about whether or not the Bible is the word of God. Don't be afraid of it. Bring it to the Lord and bring it to others and let the spirit of God break through. Jesus has said to us, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I want to invite the band to come on out and I want to pray for us. To go into this song, where do you want to invite the Spirit to bring the peace of Christ? Is it in your fear 
about what people are thinking and saying? Is it in a place of confusion about your purpose? Or is it in an area of doubt you have about him? Let's quiet our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and speak into our hearts. Breathe your spirit into us and your peace. Help us to be honest about where we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.